Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe God has a place for you to belong, people to be in community with, and a purpose for you to fulfill. Now let's listen to today's message. I love about our church is we're a little rowdy. You guys are, you guys are rowdy. I, I love it. I love it. I, I had a friend that used to, he used to start every single message is, with, that he'd speak, he'd say, just remember that I s- preach shorter when you respond. <laughs> right? Woo! All right? There we go. <laughs> and I can't attest, there's been a few times I'm preaching until I get at least something, right? And so uh, I don't have to worry about that here. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> well, today's the last day of the Love Letter series. It's, I know. Uh, it's been great. It's, it's been a great series, uh, and I, I, I've been praying and, and, and studying all week, thinking, how in the world am I going to wrap this all up? And I came to the conclusion I can't. You can't. You can't just end uh, a love and marriage and relationship series. You can't end it because love and marriage and relationship, they just continue on, right? So there's always areas to grow. There's always places to change. There's always things to learn. And so please don't think that this four-week series is the end-all, be-all on marriage, love, and relationships, okay? Because there's way more than what we're giving you in just a few short weeks. Amen? Amen. But before we get into it, um, I want to give the books away so I just don't forget about it and I'm not distracted. But uh, I want to let you know these are not marriage books today. Uh, These are books that will challenge you one of them, uh, particularly hard, <laughs> but uh, if you apply the principles in the book, it will forever change you. And so if you're the kind of person that you really want God to uh, jerk the slack out of your chain and you want him to get up all in your business, I just recommend you come up here and get the book. Okay. So an endorsement for John Bevere's book, Beta Satan. Uh, this book will change your life radically. So, Mandy, you get it. You also get, you also get $25 to waffle love. Oh, okay. what? To waffle love. So it's out in Meridian on Linder. It's awesome. Waffle love. There we go. There we go. Chicken and waffles. Hello. And uh, come on, get up here. And uh, Jensen Franklin's book, Love Like You Never Been Hurt, super good book as well. And a little waffle love for you, too. Yes. All right. I'm thinking, oh, you just sat there. I have to wait. Oh. All right. All right. So open your Bibles this morning. We're going to start this morning. Uh, we're going to finish this morning really close to where we started. We started in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to finish this series in Genesis chapter 3. You can go to Genesis 3, 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And uh, this is what it says. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Can you imagine all you've known is good? And in one moment, you know evil too. What a bummer. Bad exchange. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves trying to, uh, fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Isn't that how it works, right? We sin and we always try to cover it up. Just saying. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Man, there's so many things I want to preach right now. (laughs) The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Like you didn't know. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And Adam doesn't answer the question. He goes, it's the woman that you gave to me. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that your word has the ability to change and transform us. And Holy Spirit, I just ask you this morning, take the words that I speak and custom tailor them to each and every person. Father, that they would receive exactly what they need today. And Father, I thank you that through this series, you've helped us all improve in our ability to walk in love, to uh, cultivate healthy relationships and healthy marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, August 1990, August 4th, 1990, actually, uh, Janet and I got married. Uh, That means 30 years this August. So Larry and Diane celebrate 50. We celebrate 30. And I'm just glad they're leading the way. But... 35, I'm telling you, marriage is good. But we get married, and we do a really low-budget honeymoon. I mean low-budget. We check into the hotel, there's sand in the sheets. So low-budget. We stayed at the Sundowner Inn in Seaside, Oregon. Yeah. And I freaked out when I found sand in the sheets. We slept in it, but, but since then, we've gone to places on the beach, and it's like, you come bring me some new sheets. My taste has gotten a little more. <clears throat> but we're on our honeymoon, and uh, we go down to Cannon Beach, and we go to Haystack Rock, and the tide has gone out, and so we take off our shoes, and we're walking out to Haystack Rock to look at the tide pools. Anybody like to do that? Anybody ever done that? Anybody been to Haystack Rock before? Anyway, so we go out to Haystack Rock, And we're out there, and we're climbing around on the rocks. And the next thing we know, the tide has started to come in. We were distracted. I don't know if we were distracted with each other or with the tide pools, probably with each other. And uh, 
And so we start making our way back into the beach, but as we start making our way back into the beach, the tide's coming in, you know, and so it's a little harder to stand and navigate. And Janet starts complaining about her feet hurting. And I'm like, you know what? You just need to toughen up. Okay? We have got to get in. The tide is coming in. We do not want to get stuck out here. You just got to push through. True story. She goes, but my feet hurt. I'm like, come on. What is your problem, right? And so we finally get into the beach, and she starts walking down the beach, and every place she steps, there's blood. She had cut up the bottom of her feet. And Mr. Compassion was like, come on. Can I tell you, we're married a few days, and we got drama. Right? Anybody else have drama on their honeymoon? Come on, be honest. Hello, right there, right? Honesty. Yeah, there. It happens. And I love it. Adam and Eve come together. They're on their honeymoon. They're in the garden. Everything is perfect. Because a serpent comes along, he says, oh, come on. Surely, as God said, it, don't, don't touch that, don't eat that. And, and Eve's like, yeah, okay, yeah, he said we're not supposed to do it, but if you say it's okay. And she takes it, she eats it. And then she gives it to Adam, and he eats it. You can't tell me he didn't know where the fruit came from. And then God shows up and asks what's going on. And Adam throws Eve under the bus. Okay, it doesn't say it here in Genesis 3, but drama showed up. You think Adam and Eve didn't have some conflict in that moment? You think Adam wasn't in trouble? I mean, let's just be real. There are times we have drama in marriage. It happens. Drama happens in marriage. But I want you to see something from the very beginning here in Genesis 3 is that marriage has an enemy. Marriage has an enemy. And it isn't your spouse. Marriage has an enemy, and it isn't your spouse. The enemy is Satan. And he's been attacking God's plans and purposes from the very beginning. And he loves to mess up marriages. He loves to come in, create drama, issues, strife. Some of those things we do ourselves, right? (laughs) But one of the keys to building a healthy relationship is getting the enemy right. And the enemy is not your spouse. I, I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago when we started the series. Greatest revelation I've had in marriage is Janet's not my enemy. She's on my side. And I'm not her enemy. She's on my side. And so when we have discussions with purpose, we remember that. You know them as arguments. But see, there's some key reasons why we think that our spouse is the enemy. We think that our spouse is the enemy because we have a true enemy trying to mess up our marriage. 
I mean, have you ever had random crazy thoughts about your spouse that were just unfounded in nothing? And they just pop into your head? Don't look at me like you're innocent. That's never happened to you. <laughs> I know better. That's the enemy bringing stuff in. He wants to separate what God has brought together. He wants to come against it. He hates marriage, so he'll come against it. But you know what? There's another thing that, that causes conflict and strife in our marriages, and that's us. Because can I just say, we could be stupid, all of us, right? I mean, years ago, there was a, there was a commercial where the woman's trying on a pair of pants, and, and she says to her husband, do these pants make my butt look big? He goes, it's not the pants. Y'all took a deep breath on that one, but it's funny. <laughs> but we do things, we say things that, you know what, we just really haven't thought out. Right? You know, your cooking's not as good as my mama's. We never had that problem. Because <laughs> I always did the cooking. But, you know, we also have our own failures, our own humanity. Right? We're not, we're not perfect. Marriage is two imperfect people coming together. And, and our imperfection creates issues. And, and one of the things that we don't get when we get married is a disclosure. Right? You, you join a, it, just about any other legal binding contract, you get a disclosure. But not when you get married. I mean, can you imagine some of the disclosures? Like mine would be like this tall. Right? That many pages stacked up. Janet would still be reading it. Because I, I didn't have it together. I was messed up when we got married. When she met me, I mean, her family was not excited that I showed up. It's the truth. It's the truth. I can tell you stories, but some of them I'm not allowed to tell, and so I'll just be quiet. I'm growing. But we do, we have our own stuff that we bring into our marriage, our, our own life experiences, the things that we've lived through and the things that we've dealt with and a lot of the things that we haven't dealt with. And that all comes with us when we get married, right? And so that comes in and, and that can cause issues and strife and, and difficulty. And, and then, of course, there's God. Because God creates conflict in your marriage. See, got really quiet in the Baptist church right there. God will create conflict in your marriage. See, yeah, okay, I'm going to take you to Scripture. Go to, go to Genesis 2, verse 24. You'll also find this repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Ephesians. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Can I tell you, there's something really interesting that happens when you get married, when you say, I do. God says, okay, you did, let's do this. And he starts forcing the two of you together. 
And he is working at making the two of you one flesh. And he'll use positive experiences. He'll use negative experiences. But he will start the process of pushing you together to become one. And the problem is, is that we fight it. I don't want to be one. I want to hold on to all of who I am and my identity. I don't want to have my identity found in them, and I'm going to battle all that. Can I just tell you, you're making it hard for yourself. I mean, I'm sure if you talk to Larry and Diane after 50 years, Larry is a lot more like Diane than the day they got married. And Diane is a lot more like Larry than the day they got married. Why? Because God has been conforming them to each other. God starts this process. When we say I do, this process starts. And it freaks me out sometimes. Because Janet and I, I mean, we, we have the same thoughts at the same time sometimes. And it almost always happens driving up the highway from our house. We'll be driving up the highway from our house. There's nothing out there. And all of a sudden, we'll both say the same thing at the same time. Hey, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. How is it we're on the same track? We think the same thing. Or, or I'll look at her and I'll go, I don't know what you're thinking. Did you think so? And I'm like, yeah. And she'll say it. So I knew it. Or I'll say it. And she'll go, yeah. It just happens. We just, our kids know it. They see it all the time. They're like, mom and dad are weird. But God is going to take the two of you, and he's going to mold you together. And what's really great is if we cooperate with the process, he takes the best out of both of you and forms it into each other. Can I tell you, there's certain qualities in Janet that are way better than some qualities that are in me. It's true. Stop laughing so hard. <laughs> but there's some things in me that need to be formed in her. Like Janet, she's unbelievably quick-witted. Like you put her on the spot, and she's got the answer, bam. You put me on the spot, and I'm like, uh, uh, can I call you tomorrow? Because it just takes me longer to process. Well, when you live with somebody who processes like that, and you're like, uh, you got to pick your pace up. And so I process a little bit faster, still not nearly as fast as she does. Janet, on the other hand, she is an introvert. She doesn't, I mean, she doesn't like to be celebrated. I threw a surprise birthday party one time. Actually, I've done it, I've done it multiple times. But the last time I did it, she cried. And I'm like, I got it. This is the third time, never doing this again. Never. I mean, I mean, her family's there, friends are there, church people are there, and she's going, I want to kill you. I hate this. Why did you do this to me? She doesn't like it. She's very, she's very content being by herself. She's very content just being the two of us. But me, on the other hand, five minutes by myself, I'm like, I need somebody. Can, can we go to a party something? Can we go do something? Can we go out to dinner with something? We, ah, we got, I got to be around people, right? 
And so guess what that's forced her to do? Be more social. Okay, I don't mind speaking, obviously. <laughs> but she does not like to, to get in the pulpit. But you know what's amazing? Oh, man. Now she gets in the pulpit, you better watch out because she's going to drop it. I mean, it's amazing. She's grown in that. Well, she's grown in that because I'm in her life. See, so God takes the, the good stuff in each of us, and he starts to meld it into each other. And also in that process, he starts to knock off the bad stuff. And I can't remember if I said this the first week, but it really bears repeating even if I did, is that we need to realize and get the right perspective of marriage. And the world thinks that God made marriage for happiness. Marriage is so I'll be happy. Can I just tell you, God didn't make marriage so you could be happy. He made marriage so you could be holy. Because being in the marriage relationship makes you better. I am a way better human being because of my wife. I was a way better dad because of my wife. She was a way better mom because of me. But see, God uses marriage to make us better versions of ourselves, And that's one of the reasons that so often conflict arises in marriage is because God's trying to change us. He's trying to use our spouse to maybe knock some of the, the things that are not so nice off of us while adding some things that would really benefit us. You know, um, uh, I, used to, I used to not trust anybody. I mean, and Janet was very trusting. Well, she's not so trusting anymore. But I'm way more trusting, right? Because she's affected me. And guess what? That makes me a better person. When you don't trust people as a pastor, you're looking at everybody going, okay, what's they doing? What's doing? You're checking everybody's motives, right? That's a rough way to pastor. It's way better to go, everybody's awesome, right? And so she's helped me grow in that, and it changes us. But as we enter into that process of God changing us and making us more holy, it causes conflict. And you know, maybe you've got conflict in your marriage right now. Maybe you've got conflict in some relationships right now. So how do you navigate it? How do you navigate the, the conflict, the growth, everything that happens and comes with marriage? Well, there's two things that foundationally has to be at the basis of every marriage. Number one, honesty. And number two, forgiveness. And honesty and forgiveness, they work together. If you do not have honesty in your marriage, you're in trouble. And can I tell you, I think the majority of marriages have about this much honesty, and they need this much honesty. Have you ever noticed that we do that? We pick and choose what we're honest about. We do. We do it all the time. But honesty 
And forgiveness have got to exist in your marriage. You have to build it into the foundation of your marriage. It has to be a bedrock because the reality is you have an enemy that's going to stir up stuff in your marriage. You're not that bright, and you're going to bring some stuff into your marriage. It's just going to happen, right? And God is in the process of making two one, and that's going to cause some stuff in your marriage. So for any of it work, for us to become the more holy version that God desires us to be, the better person that he desires us to be through the process of marriage, we need to realize there has to be honesty and forgiveness in order for that to take place. And the second you stop being honest with your spouse, you're actually starting to paint the future of your marriage falling apart. Because people can tell when you're not honest with them. People can tell when you're not telling them the whole truth. Have you ever had a, a friend back away from you? You ever felt that, had a friend back away from you? You feel it, don't you? Well, guess what? Dishonesty is you backing up from your spouse. And your spouse feels it. So we've got to have at the bedrock honesty and forgiveness. James 5.16. I love this verse. I love James. But James 5.16 says this. It says, confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let's modernize it a little bit with the Passion Translation. It says this. It says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. Then pray for one another to be instantly healed. I love that. Instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. James tells us, confess and pray. He tells us to confess and pray. It's interesting because this is not how we do it. What we tend to do is we confess, and then some kind of response happens from our spouse that is anything but prayer. Right? We, we react. Can I, okay, uh, can I just be real? I'm, I'm kind of being real anyway, but like I need your permission to be real. Um, confessing your faults should be a normal part of your marriage. It should be a normal part of a relationship. Because the reality is, is nobody knows you like your spouse, and your spouse knows that you don't have it all together. You know, I talked about at the very beginning that, you know, a lot of what we're bringing is just our experience from counseling couples and, and working with married people for a very long time. I'll just say it that way. And one of the key things that we see when a couple ever shows up to us is that honesty piece has just gone away. They've stopped communicating with each other about the struggles that they're dealing with. And, and they try to cover them up. And the reality is, is that that will kill your marriage. This whole concept that we have to have it all together, it's a misnomer. It's just, it's not true. You know, I mean, I don't know about you men, but I want to be the man for my wife, right? 
and I want to have it all together. And that leads me to do things like, hey, are you sure you can fix that? Absolutely, I can fix it. Have you ever done it before? No. <laughs> right? But I can do it, especially with YouTube now. Man, when we bought our first house, when we bought our first house, 1943 Cape Cod, south side of Mount Taylor, Portland, Oregon, 68th, 68th in division. You don't know any of that. doesn't mean anything to you unless you're from Portland, like a couple of these up here. The house was a wreck. We walked through this house. There were holes in the lath and plaster. There was wallpaper falling off the walls. There was garbage in the basement. We're standing in the garbage in the basement, and Janet goes, let's buy it. I think we looked at a lot nicer houses. We're standing in a dump, and she wants the one that's a dump, and so we bought it. <laughs> but that means there was a lot of stuff that had to be fixed. And one of the things that needed to be fixed is we had this trim molding that went around our fireplace in our living room. And I hunted for it and hunted for it and hunted for it. Finally, I found about 14 feet of it at Restoration Hardware. I needed like 12. And it had intricate little doodads to come around the fireplace. So it was lots of little cuts. I had never worked with molding in my life. And I've got 14 feet, and I need 12. And I'm using a miter box and a handsaw. First mistake. And can I just tell you? I can do it. And then she saw that I couldn't. And she saw me throw the saw in the miter box. And, and she went, well, that wasn't on the disclosure temper. I never saw that before. But the reality is, is that we don't have it all together, but so many times we want to convince people that we have it all together. And and we don't, and our spouses see that we don't have it together. And our spouses pick up when something's wrong, when something's off, but yet we hide, and we don't bring it out. And James says we need to live a life of confessing our sins, our transgressions, our trespasses. We, we need to confess those to one another. And that the appropriate response is, okay, let's pray. See, the number one reason, wives, I'm going to help you out here, wives. The number one reason why your husband doesn't come to you with his deep-seated issues that he's struggling to overcome is because of how you'll react. It's true. Because he's seen your reactions in little things. And he's going, there's no way I'm bringing a big thing. Because she is going to lose her mind. So there's a reason why we have children's ministry. It's because I'm about to go maybe a little PG-13 here. So parents, I'm just warning you right now. The struggle for men in the world today is sexual integrity. Men are bombarded. They say that statistically, men in the church struggle as bad as men out of the church. 
And do you know why men in the church struggle? Is because they're scared to death to tell their wives of their true struggles. And you know the number one thing that will start the process of healing and restoration and getting a man to wholeness and health is talking to his wife about it. But he won't talk to you because of how you're going to react. And it's the truth. It's the truth. And so we just lie. Men lie. I have no issues. I'm perfect. But statistically, they'd say about two-thirds of the men in here are having issues. Now I'm not putting the men on blast. Please, men, don't feel like I'm putting you on blast. Okay, this is, this is not that church. Okay, I was messed up. And when I say I was messed up, I was messed up in every realm you can imagine. Janet's had to walk me through so much. She's an amazing woman. Mama, you've raised an incredible daughter. She's just amazing. And because I had such a messed up childhood, I had lots of stuff I had to work out as an adult. Lots of things I had to confess to her that I was scared to death. And her response to me every single time, got this, babe. We're doing this together. Not once was she angry or mad, take it personal, nothing. It's funny, we were worshiping today. It was so great. Okay, getting super real here. But I'm just worshiping God this morning. And I'm like, God, I'm so glad that I'm not who I was. Because I've changed so much. And I'm worshiping and say, God, I will crawl on the altar a thousand times as long as you keep changing me. And your spouse needs to be your partner in that. See, the response when our spouse comes to us with deep-seated things that they're ashamed and embarrassed of is let's pray. Let's pray. Because you and me together, we're probably not going to figure it out. But we take it to Jesus, and it's going to make it. We're going to work through this. It's all going to come together. And you know what? I can tell you time after time after time after time, it works. And men, do you want to know why your wives don't confess stuff to you? Same reason, because of the way you're going to react. But men, we react completely different than women. What women do is men confess things, and women feel automatically like they failed in some arena, and they take it personal. And as a wife, you need to not take it personal. It's not you, it's him. It's not a personal thing. But what happens in the arena with husbands and wives, when wives have to confess something, is the husband doesn't listen. We don't listen. Yeah. <laughs> the husband doesn't listen. And some of you going, hey, you don't know me, Pastor. Well, can you tell me what her heart is saying? Because with a woman, it's not the words that she's speaking. It's the revelation of her heart that she's bearing to you. Jan and I had it yesterday. I got up early yesterday morning. I'm in my den. I'm praying, just having time to, with me and Jesus. It was awesome. And then Janet walked in, and she wanted to have a conversation. She was ha had something on her heart that was bothering her. And, 
and transparency, I have an issue with priorities. I think most men do. We like to prioritize work. We emphasize home. Am I right? And um, so we're, we're, we're talking through some schedule stuff because we have been remodeling our house and our house is it's a disaster. It's like there's, there's stuff that just needs to be fixed. And, and it weighs on her because a woman wants her home to feel homey. And so when the house is under construction, it makes them uncomfortable. And so we're having this conversation, and she's talking to me. And I looked at her, and I said, babe, I, I said, I hear your heart. Because she was talking to me about my schedule and my time and how I was using it and the projects that weren't being done. And I just looked at her, and I said, babe, I said, I hear your heart. You don't feel like I value you. And you're right, I need to make some changes. See, men, too many times we listen superficially and we don't really endeavor to hear our wife's heart. And we have to hear their heart. And their heart doesn't always make itself evident. And, and men, I'm going to tell you, key number one, shut off fixing it. Okay? We always want to fix it. A lot of the stuff that Janet has issues with, I can't fix. But Jesus can. So turn that part of your brain off. I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to fix it. Say, I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to fix it. Keep talking, baby. Keep talking. not going to fix it. Keep talking, baby. And see, what happens is that our wives, when we just try to fix it, we try to give them the answers. What they feel is us being critical and condemning. And I don't know about you, man, but I know I've done it, right? Babe, this is all you got to do. Oh, this is easy. We, we fix this. It's no big deal, right? Babe, keep walking. We've got to get out of the tide pool. My feet hurt. Oh, toughen up. Let's go. And her feet were cut up. Dumb moment. But see, a lot of times our wives come to us and their hearts are cut up. They're hurting. And we're giving them, do this and do this and do this. And really, they just want to be heard. And if we would just do James 5.16, I hear your heart, let's pray. So wives, I want to tell you, if your husband ever comes to you with something that you feel like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing ever, just look and go, we got this, let's pray. Husbands, your wife comes to you and she's pouring her heart out, listen for her heart, and say, okay, let's pray. Because you know what's amazing? Is his wisdom's a little better than yours. His perspective's a little better than yours. His revelation of the situation is way better. I'll never forget, there was a time uh, a few years ago, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell me it took 20 or so years for me to figure this out. But um, there was an area in Janet's life that just it frustrated me. And, you know, we all have, you know, our spouses, are, you know, we all have little things about our spouses that bother us. Like, you know, the toilet paper comes over the top. It doesn't go over the back. 
And some of you going, it doesn't matter, it's toilet paper, right? <laughs> but there's also, close the cupboard door. You opened it, you got the glass out, close it. Okay, Janet doesn't close stuff. <laughs> Dresser drawer's open, drawer in the kitchen's open, the, you know, the, the cabinet with the dishes is open. It's just, she leaves stuff open, it's just her thing. And now I kind of think it's kind of funny because I just become the closure. You know? It's just what you do. You just become the closer. But there was one particular issue that it was just it was bothering me, and she'd been battling it for a while, and, and I would try to fix it. And every time she'd bring it up, I'd try to fix it. She'd bring it, and this, this was happening for several years. She'd bring it up, I got the answer. She'd bring it up, I got the answer. She'd bring it up, I got the answer. Finally, one morning, we're in the bathroom. We're getting ready for our day, and she brings it up, and I'm like, mm-mm. You sick of this? I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to get ready, and I'm going to get out of here as fast as I can. Ever do that, man? don't want the conflict, so I'm just going to avoid it. So that particular day, I, I, I tried a novel approach. As soon as we were separated from each other, I'm a Jesus. The struggle is real. You know my issue. You know her issue. She don't want to hear from me. I've been trying to fix this. And I could fix it if she would let me, but she doesn't want me to fix it. And it's driving me bonkers. So Jesus, I need you to do something. Really spiritual prayer. <laughs> Go about my day. A couple hours later, my phone rings. Hey, babe. Right? You know. She goes, I just need to apologize. I know that this is my issue, and I've been trying to deal with it, and I know I need to make a change, and I'm telling you I'm going to change this area. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, duh. Jesus did in two hours what I had tried to do for years of marriage. And it was simply because I took my wife to prayer. And it wasn't even a very nice, eloquent, I'm looking out for you kind of prayer. It was, I'm frustrated and irritated and I can't take this anymore, Jesus kind of prayer. And he still answered it. See, the solution to our issues in our marriage is just being open and honest. And then let's pray. And what's really great is if we'll do that, it makes Ephesians 4.32 really easy, which is my last verse for you this morning. And this is what it says. And be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. 
even as God in Christ forgave you. See, an amazing thing happens when we will hear and pray. We make room for God to work. And I don't know about you, it's really hard for me to go to prayer and not be reminded how undeserving I am to do that because of all he's had to forgive me for. And when I'm reminded of that, all of a sudden it makes it easier for me to forgive. So my encouragement to you this morning, if you really want your marriage to change and grow and become everything that you want it to be, start practicing transparency, honesty. Having those hard conversations. And then instead of reacting how we want to react, grab your spouse's hand and say, let's pray. And then pray for them. And then let God's love and forgiveness rise up in your heart and forgive and release the offense if there's one there. Can I tell you that's the pattern of our marriage? Confess, pray, release, forgive. That's just our marriage for 30 years. And you know, my kids have seen this because we practice the same thing with our kids. We would do something that we, you know, as a parent, you ever lose your cool? Right? Our kids have known us coming to them and confessing to them, you know what? Dad was wrong. I had a bad attitude about that. I shouldn't have been that way. Mom, mom was wrong. I, I should, mom saying, I'm not speaking for Janet, but, you know, Janet would say, I, I, was, I, I shouldn't have reacted that way. Please forgive me. See, when we live that way, it has the ability to change and transform our marriage. And the nice thing about it is when we do that, one, it puts the enemy outside of your marriage. He can't do anything because you're bringing everything into the light. And the only thing that he has any control over is what's in the dark. Two, you're going to do stupid stuff. Welcome to being human. None of us are perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. It's just part of the game. But then the third thing is he's forcing you together. He's going to make the two one. So that's going to cost some stuff. And if you really want to get through it in one piece, honesty, prayer, forgiveness, those things will transform your marriage every single time. Father, I pray right now for every single person in this place. And Father, I thank you for the gift of marriage. God, that you created marriage to help us become better forms of ourselves. And Father, I know sometimes marriage isn't easy. Sometimes it's really hard. Father, I just sense in my heart this morning that there's some marriages that have a bit of struggle. I'm not saying they're struggling, Father, but there's some struggle. Father, I pray for 
a greater level of honesty, prayer, and forgiveness in every marriage represented in this house this morning. Father, I ask you to work in every marriage. Father, for those that need to be courageous and confess some things, Father, I pray they would bring things into the light. And Father, for those that are maybe going to receive some things that are hard to hear, Father, I thank you that your grace is on them to hear it and instantly take it to prayer. And Father, I pray that as they do, as they take those things to prayer, God, your healing comes in in that moment, as James 5 says. Your healing comes in. Because your healing comes in, forgiveness comes in. You know, this morning, this, I'd like to close in a, in a unique way. If, if you're married, I'm going to ask you just to stand up. If you're with your spouse, I'm going to ask you to grab hold of your spouse's hand. And if your spouse isn't here, what I would like is I'd like a friend to come stand with every one of these other marriages where there's not someone there. Someone could stand with Emma, Rachel, Gina, Ezekiel. I'll tell you, the hardest battle that Janet and I have fought in our marriage is the battle to pray together. I don't know why it is, but the enemy always gives you a million reasons not to pray together and throws in a million distractions. And, and I know that, <laughs> at least speaking for myself, I was, I was always so afraid to pray because I wanted to be eloquent and pray all the right things, but I've learned that I don't have to pray all the right things for God to hear and God to do something. And so what I'm going to do this morning is... I'm just going to ask you all, if you're with your spouse, to just briefly pray with each other. And if you're standing there with someone and yet they're not your spouse, but pray over their marriage. Pray for their marriage. And if you're standing there with someone and, and you're the person that's in the marriage, you pray for your marriage with this person. Because if we will cultivate prayer in our marriage, everything changes. And you know, maybe you're here and you're with a friend. And you know what? You feel like you need to pray, right? Tatum Riley, you guys should pray together. You're great friends. You know what? Zach and Sarah, pray together. But also, Glenn, there's somebody here that you're a friend with. Go, go pray with them. Let's take a moment and actually pray with each other. But I want the focus to be on spouses. Does that make sense? And I know I'm making all of you uncomfortable. Okay? But we'll all be uncomfortable together. You and Emily, come up here. I want to pray with you. All right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you don't know, this is my daughter, my oldest, firstborn. 
So as I pray, you pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I pray for every marriage here. God, I thank you that you're causing shifts in our marriages. God, that you're healing our marriages. You're making our marriages strong. Father, we lift up our spouses. God, we commit them to you. We say they are yours, and we ask you to work the work that only you can do in bringing us into one flesh. And Father, we lay things aside this morning that attitudes and perspectives that maybe we've held that have been wrong. And Father, we invite you into our marriages. God, I ask you to work. God, I ask you to heal hearts, heal minds, heal memories, God. And Father, for all those that are not married in this place and desire to be married, Father, right now I pray for their spouses, God. God, I thank you that you're working on them right now, God, that you're getting them ready to be the best husband or wife ever for that person. Father, that you're cultivating things in them that will make them surrendered followers to you. And Father, if there's any spouse in this place that has a husband or a wife that doesn't serve you, God, I thank you that you're at work to bring them in. God, that they can know the intimacy that comes in having a relationship with you and how it can dynamically shift and change their whole marriage. Holy Spirit, we invite you into these marriages. And Father, this morning, we give you praise, honor, and glory for everything that you're doing in every marriage and in every relationship in this house. Father, I thank you as we finish this series. God, you've taught us all something, married or single. And Father, as we apply those things that you've taught us, I thank you that our marriages are just going to get better and our relationships are going to get better. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name. If you would like more information about River's Edge Church, please visit our website at visitriversedge.com or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for listening.